Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hey, welcome and thank you for listening to or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I am Sturdy McKee, a business coach and advisor and your host. Um, today, I am privileged to have Andreas Schenk here with us today. Andreas is founder of, the Res- of Results Rehabilitation and the creator of the Results Treatment Method. Um, he's been a physio for over 31 years and running Results Rehab uh, for 20 plus. He is based out of Coronado, California. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Andres. Thank you, Sturdy, for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm, I, this would be great. So, will you tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yes. Um, I, I was formally trained in Switzerland as a physical therapist, came over here about 32 years ago. Ended up uh, struggling getting my license here because it's not easy to get in there as a foreigner. Uh, finally got into then got the license, got sponsored by a nursing home, worked in nursing home, recognized a lot about how therapy has been done here in the States compared to Switzerland a bit. Uh, so kind of was also surprised about some standardized methodology people use here when they work with elderly, especially. Um, and I recognized, okay, I, I, I was not quite happy about that. I was just pushing myself to do uh, different stuff. I became then the clinical clinical instructor and supervisor also for some of those nursing home rehab, rehab departments. Uh, did a lot of teaching, did a lot of, uh, mostly at the time, then stroke rehabilitation stuff, which was one of the pieces I was um, luckily um, very well trained in. I had the privilege to work some of the best coaches or t- teachers in Switzerland in regards to stroke. Uh, the good news is that my teaching background was so nice that I also had uh, tremendous, um, uh, great, great coaching through uh, the dean of our school. He was the co-founder of Swiss Manual Therapy with Dr. Schneider together. He, they were developing that and was pretty much one of the most famous manual therapy techniques or t- teaching systems which uh, have been established in Switzerland at the time. Based out, on the, out of the Norwegian Swedish uh, technique, Carlton Bowen was actually the foundation there. So background in that as well. And then maybe you guys maybe know, uh, learned about the Swiss ball. The Swiss ball, exercise ball. Right. One of those things came out of Switzerland, but it actually was developed by Dr. Klein Bogovac. She was a German professor, doctor of medicine, doc, medical doctor, as well as physical therapist. And she taught, taught all the way into the 92s. And she was just phenomenal. Uh, hated her language in the, in the books because she was so precise and German is horribly difficult. And anyway, it was. It was perfect, though. It was really, uh, I actually use her knowledge, her background information tremendously in the way then the results treatment method has developed over time as I was just pushing for new ways of maximizing and improving outcomes of uh, patient treatment outcomes. Yeah. So I have been doing this now for a long time. And building from nursing home into then outpatient clinic with, of course, uh, top level athletes and Navy SEALs here in Coronado, uh, San Diego. There's the, the range of what we do and treat here is very high. There's like from young kids to all the way up to 100 and in between very high, highly fit people. 
doesn't matter because the application of RTM actually is utilized, can be utilized on any type of patients, which is phenomenal in that sense. It is multi-applicable. Uh, it's a great thing to, uh, to have up your sleeves when you have trouble with some of those patients. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I've been doing. And, uh, and recently has been uh, uh, in COVID especially, uh, we pushed forward, did a lot of, lot of videotaping, uh, over 200 videos shot with two cameras and we do a lot of editing now, preparing mm -hmm. for continuous education courses in the future as well. So that's where I'm at. And, uh, it's exciting, you know, to maybe future that with other people. So, well, it's good to find out the Swiss ball is really truly Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> not just that. rumors, not just a name. So that's, that's yeah. Good. <laughs> you know, uh, I have a, if you don't mind, that's a really good story. I came to to the states, and I learned that people here use the Swiss ball, and evidently, the lady. Uh, PT who actually pushed the selling of the Swiss balls in the United States. She was a former PT. Uh, very quickly didn't have to work anymore because she just was the one person selling Swiss balls all over the United States. And, and I didn't realize that for 10 years working my patooties up, you know, <laughs> her just like selling her Swiss balls and not being Swiss. But yeah, it was quite fascinating to see how that works when you work. Her, she just had a really good niche there, so it was very good. Well, that's great. <laughs> so, so how did you get started in business? I mean, why did you go out? It, it, well, and another question, is Results Rehab your first business? And yes. what, what prompted yeah. you and, you know, so, how, did you, how did you get that off the ground? It was more or less forced prompt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that, I, I can relate to that. Uh, the circumstances were that the company I worked for, they had contracts with nursing homes. And because I was a, uh, the lead clinical director of some of them, they trusted me to actually step into a new project. And the project was to step into a, 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 a new Coronado-based small outpatient clinic here. So they actually had... a. Uh, occupational therapist, hand specialist, uh, also. We were teaming up together in their clinic, starting that, that new clinic. And unfortunately, they did a really very poor job marketing it. Uh, and I was just there to say, hey, look, I'm, you hired me as a PT. I'm, I'm helping you with getting the out to the patient, but you didn't hire me to do marketing for you. So please understand. So after two years of them really struggling, realizing that they're losing money, they had they, the president of the company approached me and he said, okay, well, yes, you know, we have to let you go or you can buy the business. And I said, okay, well, uh, what do I buy? <laughs> <laughs> a losing venture, what, how, what's that going to cost? <laughs> hey, I was not a businessman, you know, and I had a little big background of business from school, you know, uh, 45 years ago, not applicable to what the American model of business is. And, and uh, it was very strange to me, but also had already three, two, only three kids, only three kids, a mortgage payment. And uh, they basically told me, well, if I don't have financials, I'm sorry, if I, if I, if I quit and I would have to go back to like hospital work or something, 
the matching of that salary would be very difficult because I was already a top peer as I was a lead therapist mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. for a long time. So I said to myself, okay, well, do I want to jump into this challenge? And I also actually learned that three clinics in the same location, they were actually failed. So I had my odds were bad. So I didn't know, I had no clue. And I also didn't know how this all works. And so I ended up going to a banker and then they said, okay, can you show me financials? And I said, okay, what financials? I had no clue, right? <laughs> so I went back to the, the guy president and said, can you provide me with financials with the bank? And then they struggled to provide that to me. They did not have good bookkeeping. And there goes the business aspect. So just talking about business, get your book straight, get your financial straight, because if you don't have that, you can't go anywhere. So that's what the advice of this banker says, look, based upon what they're offering here, or basically the purchase price, uh, is that you would not want to pay that because there's no evidence at all. There's nothing. You are better off opening your own clinic down the street and with a small shop, invest your own money into it, but don't buy something which that you pay for which has no value behind it. So uh, so I kind of listened to that and I went back, negotiated and said, okay, well, you know, uh, at this point in time, you know, thank you for offering this business to me, but I'm not going to buy the business for that amount you said you, you want to get from me. But why don't we do a, a fair value uh, equipment assessment and then we go from there. And then that was not very well received by the other party. Uh, they didn't like me too much, <laughs> but they were kind of in a situation where they needed to get rid of equipment. And instead of just having to hassle with equipment and the time and effort to get rid of it, they thought it's maybe the best thing they can do. So I ended up starting with bad equipment, no computers, nothing really good, nothing really well some basic stuff, but not very good. So I ended up just starting there from scratch and then downsized the, I looked at the rent, I looked at the size of the, the, the space and how much money they paid. Right. And I said, and I also looked at how many clients they may leave me and how that would work out. I said, okay, that's not gonna work out. Like I have so many expenses, I have this and this and I need to downsize. So I contacted the landlord, can I downside? Can we put walls in it? Say, so, yep, we do the wall there, but you have to find me a renter on the other side of the wall. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I found a renter. I was a photographer. For some reason, somebody walked down in the parking lot looking for space and said, hey, by the way, and she'd be asking, is there any, any place open for you? And I said, you know what? Yep, uh, right upstairs, it will be brand new. <laughs> We are going to put the wall in for you. So that's how that worked out. That's nice. Yeah, so it was actually really, I call it uh, magical moments. You know, I had situations where things just fell into place because I had an attitude towards just taking on the challenge in a way that I said, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and uh, you know, and again, you know, uh, if you don't ask me at the time, don't ask me anything about whether I knew business or not. I did not. I just really believed that quality type physical therapy is needed out in the community. 
And what I could offer is just a quality which maybe other therapists may not be able to get to very easily because I had a really good background education and also um, great trainers and coaches and so forth. So I just believe that it's going to potentially work out. And then I started doing nothing else than work, work very, very hard. And the first see, two, two years, uh, I must say, uh, if I would rewind the whole thing, I do not know whether I would want to do it the same way, but I work 12 to 16 hour days, uh, six days a week. So that was rough. Uh, I do, I did end up getting help because I built up my business, but I had all these hats on. I was a secretary, was the, uh, the, the, the whole pantry, you know, the thing where you do papers into the chart and stuff. Of course. That's the beauty thing. And that also then uh, le led me to be extremely uh, curious about technology because I always believed that if you are not, that the model I went by was TTT, technology, talent, and tolerance. So technology helps you to streamline processing and systems to make it faster. So that's kind of where I thought, okay, I need to get this done fast. I have to have my my phone phone. I had a phone box, you know, with all the doctors programmed in like 15, 20 doctors, just one button. I didn't want to dial. I just wanted to push a button to call. And <laughs> I also at the time was 20 years ago. There's you can imagine um, writing reports. Uh, I didn't have an EMR system. There not there were not that many out there. I think right. where you could have something all inclusive. So I had to do the billing and all this stuff was independent on pieces of paper. And uh, reports were written always on a word document and is faxed it over to the docs. And so the innovation was that I said, okay, IBM had this dicta uh, computer dictation thing, which I then invested in. And then I was able to write my valves faster. And then just everything was like forced by time. I needed to become really efficient. Uh, and that was really uh, just because of that need to get to find time for things, especially not to chip it away from the patient's treatments. That was always my objective. I didn't want to take time away from the patient's treatments quality just because I was busy and had all these heads on and tried to figure things out. Um, it really forced me to be super efficient and very quickly I ended up uh, uh, digital, digitalized uh, PDF things came very handy at one point. I think it was probably the smallest clinic in Northern California who ended up scanning documents in instead of putting into the whole punch and put it in physically in there because I just knew okay. that I needed to be efficient. <laughs> so that's kind of how that happened on that side talent or tolerance, right? So I ended up saying, okay, if I want to hire anybody, I need to have some people who really know what they're doing. And I started with just with, it. again, I did not want to jeopardize the quality of services I rendered to the clients because that was my reputation. I did not want them to be like everybody else. I wanted to be better than the other clinic because we had better therapists, better educated therapists and so forth. So I hired somebody who was actually a former student of mine uh, who was very good and I trusted her 
and she was phenomenal and she had a really good personality. So good people. There was talent. She was very talented. She was also eager to help out. It helped me out tremendously. Uh, took a lot of pressure off of me because now you could expand a little bit. So I didn't have to treat 12, 13 patients at the time anymore. It was all of a sudden I was able to maybe treat nine or eight and she was treating six or seven or whatever. And she helped me out with some of the business stuff as well. And intolerance. Well, guess what? I had to find talent and tell, oh, go back to looping back to financials. I ended up in the beginning was advised to have a biller, you know, and I used that biller. Six months in, I have not seen only a little bit of money coming in. I didn't have time to look into it and dig in and find out why they are not getting money back in. So, and then I realized, okay, well, where's the money? I can't pay bills. So I had to even take money out of my house and equity in order to just survive at the time. It was horrible, really horrible. I remember at the time, the first um, Christmas into it, it was, we started, it started in 2000, in the beginning of 2000. December of 2000 for Christmas, I told my, 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 my ex now, how, sorry. Uh, she, sorry about that. I'm trying to decline this. Aaron, I'm going to try to turn this off quickly because I run an airplane mode. Making sure that we're not getting disturbed anymore. Yeah, good, perfect. So, so um, <laughs> kids, I had kids, small kids. I wanted to buy presents for them. And I told my ex, hey, look, I mean, it's tight. It's really tight. It was not, not good. And I even told her, look, if things are not getting better, we probably have to pull the plug and I'm going to have to find a regular job in a hospital and so forth. And it was not fun. And then after having changed two billers, after the first one, there was so much in a squeeze that I realized all of these pillars, they promised me a lot, but they didn't deliver. And I had outstanding uh, bills of about $150,000 were sitting there. They were not collected on. And you can imagine how much pressure that is when you don't get cash in and you have to constantly just pull from money from somewhere else. And then finally I had somebody who said, hey, you know, I think I can help. And I said to that, to that lady, uh, she, she, was, she was a really nice lady, but also recognized how precise and precise she was. And she was so precise that it became almost annoying. Tolerance, <laughs> right? Technology, talent, and tolerance. She went after every single penny but she was so on me to get her the right information that she could plug it in on her end that she could collect the money, right? right? So I actually ended up saying, okay, well, I can tolerate her because she's very talented. And she, if, if she uses technology or not, I didn't care because she was outside of my office because <laughs> she just took care of the money side. So finally, within like uh, less than five months, she collected over $80,000 old money, not even the new one. Right, not the regular it, really, it really put me at ease and I started to believe that it actually will work out. Mm -hmm. And I just kept going and did whatever I needed to do 
and uh, ended up actually uh, opening another clinic um, in, in a nearby, about 25 miles away from here, which was because we had money built up and we were able to invest into it. And again, it was more like the thing, I can do it, I believe in it. And I must say, it was not at that moment very educated about building really the clinic up. We just thought the first model worked out. Now we learn from our mistakes and move on to the next one. But I didn't really know about how outpatient clinics actually are built on customer relations and staying in touch with them and so forth. It was all based on physician referrals, which you built somewhat a relationship with. And, and that has changed now in the last few years because I have very much shifted towards customer relations and, and direct marketing to them. And then they come here because they see what we do, they see what we are good at and they want that. And they go to the doctor and say, hey, I don't want to go there. I want to go to results rehab. So it changed really to the way I want it to be. I want it to be that people recognize the quality we can provide and the difference what we can provide. And then they feel that and then speak out to other family and family friends, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how we have been, even through COVID, we have been able to do pretty okay um, because of that. And so well, you brought up a great lesson there a minute ago when you got to the talent part whether you're talking about internal or outsourcing something, being really clear about what the criteria for success are, defining that ahead of time and then monitoring it. Because, you know, I've heard a lot of people in healthcare particularly be like, oh, well, I didn't have time to go do that. It's absolutely critical if you're running a business to make sure that you lay out what success looks like and then monitor that. You don't have to monitor everything. Yes. Right. Like you've got to uh, check in and make sure that you vetted them and that you monitor it, the actually, components. Yes, you actually had a car, a little, I think a little casting, which I said, you know, you have to invest into your into your people. You have to go back to the people you coach them, and I still do that. I I train my staff every week for two hours on my dime on anything they need to know to improve their skill level in terms of therapy or even business. And also, uh, I believe truly that going back and meeting up with the key people in your business consistently when the meeting is effective. I actually hate meetings when they're not effective. I have to, to get so You can sit there, talk about it, and a week later you come back and you're in the same place, right? Nothing is, no action. Just talking, beautiful. Right. But then my other that's, one, that's that's my, I don't care about talking. I, I really like action. <laughs> so. right. yeah. No, a meeting without objectives and an agenda is coffee. Yeah. So yeah, I just urge everybody, what, why are you having that meeting? What do you want to get out of it? Have a structure to make right. sure that you can get it done, that you can follow right. through and follow up. Yeah, all that's critical. Yeah. Cool. So what, what challenges are you currently facing in your business and how are you working to overcome those? Uh, at, at this point in time, I still is probably overcoming the COVID situation. Um, and I, it's interesting enough, you know, as soon as telehealth came 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 into place in the beginning of uh, COVID, I jumped on it, not the guy who is able to sit there. I just do stuff right away. 
uh, and we tried. And the amount of response we got from that was very, very little. I, I just, people seem to like what we do and, uh, with our hands and with our instructions on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And I actually have currently a telehealth patient out of Santa Fe, a Medicare patient. She was referred to me by a patient here in Coronado who knows her and she has some back issues. And I'm, I'm happy to do that. Again, skillful. So he has a patient has scoliosis, this lady particularly has scoliosis. Uh, if you can instruct somebody very carefully, step-by-step step, how to move, you can actually make them feel better. And they are absolutely fascinated by that. You're not touching them at all, but you can do a whole hour of therapeutic movement exercises, which allows them to actually feel better afterwards. But again, it requires that skill, but you give them as instructions specifically. But So telehealth, not really uh, something I do. It's one out of all the treatments we have. But most everything else is really based on hands-on stuff. And so now the challenges we are running into right now is, I think, the vaccination. Uh, people are very slowed down. They get the second shot. They are down for one or, two, one or two days, and they are not coming in because they just feel miserable. So the last few weeks has been really slow. Um, and again, also, I believe the physicians are very busy with the COVID. They are just, their focus has shifted a little bit. They have a different perspective about how they end up uh, referring clients or patients. And uh, then the fourth situation of non-essential surgeries that I believe has also affected us. We do not get as many referrals with people post-surgical. Mm -hmm. So everything is kind of like in that situation. So. Uh, thank God, over the last three years, we have established a fairly decent amount of private pay patients who just see the value of what we do, and they come in despite, you know, they self-refer pretty much, you know, and then we get the prescription back up by the doctor, direct access pretty much, and, and so that's kind of nice when you have people just consistently coming in. It doesn't matter what it is, they just come in. That's just, that's really cool. And that's the best you can have, really. Yeah, so even though there's legal paperwork involved, you have to be careful with that too. You have to follow the guidelines and rules. And, and I think it's very important. Yeah, we're that. pretty heavily regulated. Huh? Yeah, they are. Pretty heavily regulated yeah, in that regard. We cannot just uh, do whatever we want to do. So. So just know know the law, follow that. That's my advice there too. Don't don't deviate from that. That's not worth it. It's jeopardizing yeah. no. it's, it's the whole system and everybody. You know, it's not. It's really not uh, advised. Uh, so, Andreas, what's your proudest moment in business? Um, having, I, I think it's always when you hit a down. You know, when you hit really low and you and then come out of it much stronger. And like, for instance, I would say that we, what we did in last year now with COVID was quite something special. Uh, I'm very proud of what I, I think I did uh, in terms of keeping all our employees basically, okay, applied of course for the PPP loan and then use that while we had no patience to give them opportunities to help on a bigger picture uh, for the results treatment method um, future. 
So we are, we are, you know, so you were building your online content and that type of thing. Right. The right. The online stuff, the, the teaching stuff, the, all the techniques, all the, uh, that's really my proudest thing right now that all of what I know, what I do, or accumulated over 30 years of experience and the style, the way I developed it, the think process I do, that is now being recorded visually and it's being written uh, in a format which becomes like a library. And we are hoping, of course, that to be then an anchor for our business in the future. And this COVID thing was almost like a blessing in a way, it's weird to say that, but without that, we would have never been able to do all that work. It's a lot of work. And so I'm looking forward to continue and finding a balance. And I can tell you one thing, it was never about me in terms of financials. It was always to put it back into something which everybody else can uh, benefit from. Uh, you know, I always believe that when you make people around you happy and they like what they're doing, they end up wanting to work with you and they also will invest themselves. And if they really do not know, I always hear a little analogy is there, hey, look, I'm, not, I'm sitting in front of the train right now, the choo-choo train is pretty powerful right now. And I'm the one right there you want to get on the train, you know, get on it. Otherwise, the, the train is leaving the station. So you know, I don't need anybody dragging me back because I just know that there's something bigger in front of me. Yet it is done by day-to-day -day grind. You still have to grind. It's just you have to plug away. Uh, and if you don't do that, don't assume that you're going to be reaching that goal. Uh, I have big goals. I want to teach worldwide. But... That means that I'm gonna dig in now, mm -hmm. here yeah. now. I, I like to say you have to keep pedaling the bike, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, what's the biggest thing you've learned recently that you wish you had learned a decade ago? To get advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not interesting. I think, I think it goes in the direction of what your business is dirty is to help other people to not get stuck with um, just your own mindset of what you think is right. Uh, I think you have to open up and get surrounded by people who help you, guide you, um, open your mind to new systems, new ways of looking at it on a business level side, as well as uh, if you're yeah, just to being open-minded about things and then and then and then not being afraid maybe to take that jump and maybe that risk to to invest into something new which potentially could, you know, I mean nothing is safe and nothing is I made I made a I made an investment uh, three three and a half years ago uh, into a marketing system and I spent a lot of money, a lot of money. And Everybody who looked at the numbers said, well, Andreas, what the hell are you doing? You know, there's a lot of money. I said, yep. <laughs> and I said, yep, it's a lot of money and I'm trying to recoup it. And it didn't work out the way they told me that it would work out. And I said, okay, uh, you know what? I didn't have any regrets. And why did I not have any regrets? It's because what I learned from that is I can use that knowledge and tweak it and make it my own and still build into what I do now. 
I disconnected to that system, right? I didn't have the financial burden anymore. But it was definitely not a wise choice. You know, it's like buying stuff. You know, how many times have you bought stuff which really is ending up just in the trash because you realize it's really was trash. And, and, and you invested, you tried, you thought it was right, but then, and at the end, you know, um, at the end of the day, you have to be content with your choices. You have to be, come to, come to peace with what you're doing because you're just, I don't like the terminology trial and error because you're trusting people are supposed to be a model of success, right? You, there are usually people out there promoting good stuff, they're usually successful, present themselves to be successful. And you trust them and believe in them and then, then you start trying it yourself and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you have to still do your work. Well, it brings up a great point too, though. It's got, it's got to work for you. So when you're reaching out and asking for help and, and you know, I find a lot of people who are kind of starting out are really eager to ask for help, but they don't have much in the way of resources and they're just trying to put everything together. Another reset point, you know, five, 10, 15 or more years into your business, we're in it so much. I just, I, I love Bill Gallagher, another uh, friend and coach said this to me and it's like the fish is the last one to see water. And when we're in yeah. it every day, when we're mired in it every day, we, you know, yeah. getting a different perspective and especially after we've been doing it for so long, um, you know, other people are out there innovating and trying to figure out better ways and we can learn from them. and. Mm -hmm. learn from somebody you know that's one of the advantages of what i do i get to see all kinds of different people figuring different problems out and yeah. you know can share those those that's yeah. not intellectual property right but share the ideas to share a concept um new way of thinking new way of approaching so no, right. that's that's cool always learning um yeah. any favorite business books or articles that you've come across lately uh I haven't really a whole, I don't really have a whole bunch of time to read. Um, what I do read is my own statistics. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I am very, <laughs> meaning I learned to recognize that statistics and numbers are very powerful and you can kind of predict a little bit what's going on in your, in your business and that helps. Uh, not that I'm going to be like sitting there and go crazy over it, but at least you can see trends and you can see what's happening. You can kind of then, as things are happening, they can say, okay, something is happening here. So you're going to have to redirect. I going to believe in the, I don't try to uh, overreact because it, it never helps. Um, I learned that overreacting is definitely not a good thing. So I kind of, when something is a little bit off, then I say, okay, something is off. So I'm going to redirect things a little bit and making sure I go down to the ground. I ask the questions. I ask questions. What is going on? What happens? And so forth. So we're reading books. Hmm. No, but I, you know, I have, there's another thing I believe in is this. You have many, many books in the shelves, right? And the books. You have three or four or five of them, which are your favorites. And out of the three or four or five, a few pages in those are so dominant in your head that it becomes you. Now, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not quantity, in my opinion. It's about what you do with the, the stuff which is being said by very, very small people. It could be a quote or something which I, I go back to just 
being kind, right? Kindness to the clients, being quality oriented, Swiss quality oriented. <laughs> well, and you, you just offered a really a really good lesson as well with the like when you're saying you're looking at um, the metrics, the the data. What I like to share with people is the data doesn't tell you what's wrong. No. It doesn't tell you what's going on exactly. So what you said next was really important. You drill down, you ask the questions, you get granular with it, because in essence, that's your diagnosis. You, yes. The data yes. tells you where to look. Right, exactly. But it doesn't give you the diagnosis. And without the diagnosis, what action do you take? Now, you definitely have to then go step away from there and say, okay, well, you know, uh, new, new evaluations are down. So uh, it could be that I actually ended up just this, this week, we started reaching out to some of the main key physicians who started to slow down their referrals. And I just got a text this morning from my office staff who reached out to that particular office, getting communication with the office manager there. And they say, hey, Andreas would like to talk to the doctor, you know, five minutes just to find out what's going on, you know, just to kind of not disturb them because I, I hate to actually talk to them because I... I know how busy they are. They, I feel like the next rep, pharmaceutical rep. You know, so, <laughs> so, so, but what I'm doing is I still do it, even though I don't like it. I reach out and then this text came back and said, my front office texted me and said, hey, they, she's very busy. The doctor's very busy. And yes, the referrals are, are just slowed down. But most of the time, recently they send it to the, nearby hospital because a lot of the patients they have been seeing lately have been associated with a different insurance card which associates with the hospital so they actually referring from the, the patients is linked to the hospital insurance and and i said then there's that next click click in my head and say okay well what's going well that's not really true somehow because before we had a lot of military clients come through military, which I had, which I take, you know. And so that's what I mean. So there's that next question I have, right? Say, what is going on? Because is it that they're seeing more of that? Or what's, and unless you actually really dig deeper and trying to figure out what really the cause is, you just don't know. It's very tricky, not easy at all. Well, no, but with practice, you get better at it. Yeah. Right. Just like clinical practice or anything else. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts you want to leave us with before we wrap up? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I still like to go to work. I still like to enjoy the process of teaching and treating patients, make them feel better. We are in a business where that's the ultimate goal. But giving people options, educate them about their own bodies to feel better. That's our goal as therapists. And if we can do that and do it skillfully, kind and with uh, enormous compassion or passion, then that's why I think we should keep pushing forward on this and never give up on it. Cool. Well, thank you. Thanks for that. Thanks so much, Andreas, for being here. Thank you very much, Terry. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening.